Welcome to The Gallipod with me, Gallop Placidia. In this episode, I'm reading the final part of my fic, Teenage Wasteland. Don't forget to check out the bonus episode this week, which is a conversation with my Francesca about the representation of child abuse in the media. The week after that, there won't be a fic episode, but I will be releasing a very cool interview with my friend Shibs about colonialism and fandom. Both Shibs and Cheska are incredibly interesting and insightful, and I really hope you'll give those episodes a listen. Meanwhile, please enjoy Teenage Wasteland. Chapter 9 Draco and Adelaide showed up at Grimmauld the next time Harry was due to transform. Adelaide held out a plate of steak with a winsome smile. Happy Wolf Day, she said. That's not a thing, said Harry. For he's a jolly good wolf man, for he's a jolly good wolf man, for he's a jolly good wolf man, sang Adelaide. God, stop, said Harry. Come in. Draco sat opposite him in the kitchen, watching him eat the admittedly delicious steak Adelaide had prepared. Adelaide sat cross-legged on the countertop, digging through a box of assorted fancy tea bags Harry had stolen from state functions. Ooh, passion fruit, she said. I didn't expect you guys to come, said Harry. Draco rolled his eyes. As if I was going to miss your wolf day, said Adelaide. It's not my... Surely you knew I'd be here, said Draco quietly. And Harry's mouth fell into a little smile, because of course Draco was right. Harry had had no doubt that he would come. He hadn't even told Ron and Hermione, because he was so sure that Draco would know he was needed. It was only Adelaide's presence that was unexpected. Question, how big are you, as a wolf? Are you cuddly? Can we pet you? she asked pouring hot water with her wand over a selection of three of the most expensive tea bags, which she had put into one mug. I'm a very large storybook monster, Adelaide, said Harry. I'm not cuddly. Shame, said Adelaide, taking a sip of her elaborate tea concoction and grimacing. Wow, that is shit. Draco, come taste. You just said it tasted shit, said Draco. Yeah, like feet. Come taste. When Harry had eaten, they followed him up to his bedroom. Is this where we would have shagged if Draco hadn't shown up that time? asked Adelaide. "'You're in a right mood tonight,' said Harry. "'She's nervous,' said Draco, his voice low, but Adelaide still caught it. "'I am not nervous. About what? About Harry?' "'About violence,' said Harry. He looked at Draco. "'You shouldn't have brought her.' Draco shrugged, settling himself onto the bed. The moonlight hit Harry a few minutes later, and he was overtaken by the agonising compression of all that he was, the shrinking, the growing, the huge room, the smells— a hand held out before his nose. It was one of his people. He licked it. He is cuddly, said the girl whose hand it was, and began stroking his head. He licked up her arm as she laughed. But there was another smell, and Harry went to investigate. It was on the bed. A clean, friendly smell. His friend. His closest friend. The man smiled at him. Hello, said the man. Harry flopped heavily onto his side next to him. The man made a delighted sound. I told you, Adelaide, he said, curling around Harry's body, burying his face in the scruff of Harry's neck. Isn't he gorgeous? Can't we keep him like this? said the girl, coming to sit on Harry's other side. Tempting, but Shark wouldn't like it, said the man. The girl stroked Harry's face, and Harry whined. Aren't you perfect? said the girl. Harry closed his eyes, letting her words wash over him, safer and warmer than he'd ever been. Perfect, she said and it felt, just then, as if she was right. Harry woke the next morning with his face buried in Adelaide's shoulder. Draco's arm was wrapped around his waist. Adelaide was breathing in delicate little snorts. Harry turned over and found Draco watching him. Morning, said Draco. 
he looked rather uncertain. Harry smiled at him and the uncertainty melted away. Draco smiled back. Did you sleep okay? asked Harry. I think I have fur in my eye, said Draco, dabbing at his eye with one finger. Sorry, said Harry. Draco squinted at him. The perils I suffer, he said, and something loosened in Harry's chest, some anxiety he hadn't been aware of. It was so apparent that Draco wasn't frightened of him. Adelaide made a snuffling sound and turned over. Let's go make tea, said Draco, which Harry correctly interpreted as, let's go canoodle downstairs. Gross, said Adelaide, when she finally emerged. Harry sat between Draco's legs on the sofa, Draco's chin hooked around his shoulder, Draco's arms wrapped securely around his chest. Draco had spent the last hour alternating between kissing Harry's neck and making wolf puns into his ear. Morning, said Draco, releasing Harry and straightening up. Adelaide looked at Harry. I liked you better as a wolf, she said. Draco was a bit dodgy about letting Harry come to church with him, as if it was some private, secret thing. You won't make fun of it, he said several times, half question, half command. Of course not, said Harry. Because a lot of it is quite silly if you if you haven't bought into it. But, Draco, I'm not going to mock your religion. It's not my... I don't even know if... I only go for the music. But Harry watched him in the cathedral. Watched how Draco cast his eyes up at the altar, how his lips moved in silent prayer, how fervently he sang the hymns. Harry got bored during the sermon about kindness, but Draco leant forward in the pew, intently focused. Only during the peace did he seem to return to himself, when he shook hands and even kissed the elegant middle-aged woman next to them. Harry guessed this was Cookie, whom he had heard a lot about. So? asked Draco, as they filtered out of the church. What did you think? The choir was good, said Harry. It's magical, isn't it? said Draco, eager, eyes shining. It's just like magic. Not, not to me, said Harry, gently. Magic is magic to me. <sighs> magic. Magic is for chores. God is for the unanswerable. I thought you just came for the music, said Harry, smiling. Draco flushed and looked away. I do, he said. They had lunch with Cookie and her husband and her miserable teenage son, who, it turned out, was not at all miserable once Adelaide turned up. They sat next to each other at the far end of the table, heads bent close, muttering and laughing in undertones. Adelaide seems to like Sebastian, said Harry. Draco looked horrified. Don't say anything. If she thinks we approve, she'll stop wanting him. And, indeed, as Harry walked them home, Draco made several snide remarks about Sebastian. His mother despairs of him, he said. He's incredibly rude to his teachers. Only the stupid ones, said Adelaide. He's really clever. He doesn't do any work, apparently, said Draco. Adelaide just rolled her eyes and looked pleased. Adelaide went into her bedroom when they got home, and Draco straddled Harry on the sofa, alternated between kissing Harry's collarbones and starting guiltily away whenever he thought he'd heard a sound. Draco, said Harry. We can't. Shh, said Draco, his hand going to Harry's dick over his jeans. God, said Harry. By the time Adelaide came out, Harry was so hard that he had to go to the bathroom to calm down. He went home that evening, pent up, frustrated, delighted. It was a cocktail of feelings he was rather used to. They hadn't had sex since Adelaide got home from rehab, although every Thursday, when Draco came to deliver the potion, they got each other off quickly and messily, usually before they had even left the front hall. Can't you stay for a bit? Harry asked, one Thursday. You used to stay for hours. Adelaide, she never noticed, said Harry. Yeah, because she was being groomed by a creepy adult man. 
Harry let his forehead drop onto Draco's shoulder. I know, he said. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said anything. Harry, said Draco, taking Harry's face in his hands and placing kisses all along his cheek, the bridge of his nose, the other cheek. I'm going absolutely mad for you. Fuck, said Harry. Me too. I love her, you know. You do? Yeah. I get why you're... I'm glad we're going slow. But I also just want to... I think about fucking you all the time, said Draco. At work, at night, when I'm doing the dishes, it's all I ever think about. Harry let a breath out, half laugh, half desperation. God, Draco. I should go, said Draco. Harry bit his lip and whined. He had a semi already, even though he had just come. Draco kissed him. You should go, said Harry. Yeah, said Draco. They went again, Draco sitting on the stairs and tilting his head back as Harry kissed up his thighs. They collapsed against each other once they had both come, and didn't speak for a full ten minutes, lazily kissing each other's hands, stroking each other's hair. You should go, said Harry. Yeah, said Draco. Harry checked his pockets after Draco was gone, and sure enough, there was a tidily folded note in Draco's clumsy, broken-handed print. I've always admired you, it said. Harry put it with the others. The next day, Harry came over to Draco's to watch a film with him in Adelaide. Can I pick? he asked. They both just laughed. Draco chose Braveheart. They didn't start it until half past ten, and the film was approximately eight hours long, or so it felt to Harry. He nodded in and out of the narrative. He woke up when the film ended. There was popcorn all over his jeans, and Adelaide had drawn a penis on his cheek and permanent marker. You let her do it? he asked Draco. I have to pick my battles, said Draco. Adelaide had her feet tucked under Harry's thigh. She cackled. Ugh, said Harry. I need to go home. Why don't you just sleep over? asked Adelaide. Harry froze, then turned very cautiously to look at Draco. We're taking it slow, said Draco. Adelaide scoffed. Jesus, what are you, American teenagers, saving it for prom night? Harry has things to do tomorrow anyway, said Draco. No, I don't, said Harry. I wish you'd stay the night sometimes, Harry, said Adelaide. Then maybe Draco could get off my back when my friends come over. He always lurks in the corner like a fucking loser. Hey, your friends like me. It is late, said Harry, with a tentative look at Draco. Adelaide wiggled her toes under Harry's leg. Come on, Draco, don't be such a stick in the mud. Well, if you want, said Draco, not quite addressing Harry. Draco didn't have a spare toothbrush. Harry used a charm and washed the penis drawing off his face on the sink. He had never been inside Draco's bedroom. It was little. His bedding was white, his curtains dark blue. Draco sat up in the bed, flushed and nervous. There was a framed photo of his mother on the bedside table, and another frame that Draco had placed face down. Harry went to it and put it to rights. It was, as he had predicted, a photograph of Lucius Malfoy, smiling widely at the camera, eight-year-old Draco on his knee. I thought you might find that a bit of a turn-off, said Draco. It's a cute photo, said Harry. Draco's Adam's apple moved up and down his throat. He had left an absurdly large chunk of the bed for Harry. Harry cast a locking charm on the door, and a muffliato. He didn't use his wand, and Draco followed the movements of his hands with a distracted expression. Come to bed, he said. Harry climbed in. They lay facing each other, almost a foot of space between them. 
Harry's breathing was far too loud in the silence. Do you remember when you came to Azkaban? asked Draco. Yes, said Harry. Why were you there? It was part of aura training, said Harry. Draco nodded. But I asked specially to see you. He could make out the quick flicking of Draco's eyelashes in the dim light. I wanted to see if you were all right, said Harry. In some ways it all sort of makes sense, doesn't it? You and me. You're so far away, said Harry. Why are you all the way over there? Draco stretched his hand out. The right one. You know we could probably take this to a specialist, said Harry. See if you could get it fixed. I don't need fixing, said Draco. And then he was on him, rolled over on top of Harry, his weight on his elbows, bracketing Harry's head, and on his hips, pressing into Harry's. I'm going to take such good care of you, said Harry, on the last breath he had under Draco's crushing weight. Draco bent his head and kissed him. They woke up several times in the night, too hot and too cold, and each time the fresh feeling of Draco within grasp came to Harry like a victory. In the morning, they lay wrapped up in each other, tired and content, and Draco said, I love this. And Harry said, Me too. And Adelaide startled them by banging on the door. Are you decent? I've made French toast. Put some clothes on. I can't believe you fell asleep during Braveheart, said Draco as they ate. You're worse than Adelaide. Not everyone wants to watch three-hour historical epics every night of the week, Draco, said Adelaide. It was long, said Harry. The girls want to come over later and make a cake, said Adelaide. Do we have the ingredients? Yeah. Harry, you'll stay, won't you? Uh, said Harry. You have to stay. If Draco isn't occupied, he sits around in the kitchen and monopolises Fiona. Fiona monopolises me, said Draco. Yeah, I'll stay, said Harry. And he kept saying that, over and over, for days and weeks, until his toothbrush fit better next to Adelaide's pink one and Draco's fancy electric one than it did in his ensuite at Grimald. Just, like, don't be weird, okay? said Adelaide. I promise, said Sebastian. Because Draco is protective. I promise. I'll call him sir. I'll doff my cap. I'll ask for your hand in marriage. Adelaide leaned into him and Sebastian put his arm around her. It was a thin, wiry arm, not what she was used to. She had been handled by men, and it was strange still to be with a boy. He felt so much more breakable. You can stay the night, you know, she said. Yeah, like mum would allow that, said Sebastian. She likes Draco, but there are limits. She's terrified I'll knock you up. Someone should tell her about condoms. Hmm, said Sebastian, dipping his head and kissing her. They were in the park near Adelaide's house. I wish I could sleep over. I bet you look even prettier in the morning. You don't want to see me without makeup on. Sebastian put his head to one side and narrowed his eyes. What? asked Adelaide. Deciding if I want to see you without makeup on? Adelaide laughed. What's the verdict? Still deciding. He cupped her chin and wiped at her bottom lip with his thumb. Good bone structure. What colour are your eyelashes? I don't know. Brown? Hmm. Difficult. Yeah, okay, fuck you, said Adelaide. You're gorgeous. You'd be gorgeous without a lick of makeup, said Sebastian. Adelaide smiled and tugged on his hand. Come on, let's get this over and done with. Harry and Draco were in the sitting room, watching television. Draco was curled against Harry's chest. He didn't move when Adelaide walked in, 
and he stretched idly, happy to see her. Then he spotted Sebastian. He sat up. Seb, we meet out of church at last. Adelaide squeezed Sebastian's hand and his scowl lessened. Hi, Draco, he said. Harry. Sebastian and I are going to go work on a project in my room, said Adelaide. A project? asked Draco, standing. He was quite a bit taller than Sebastian. You two don't go to the same school? Adelaide stuck her chin out. You want more details? she asked. Draco crossed his arms, looking from her to Sebastian. Might I inquire how long you anticipate this project will take? We don't know yet, said Adelaide. We're working it out. A muscle twitched in Draco's jaw, but she couldn't tell if he was angry or amused. Come on, Draco, you've always told me I can shag anyone I like as long as they're not more than a year older than me, said Adelaide, abandoning pretenses. Sebastian gasped next to her. Adelaide? Draco looked Sebastian up and down, coldly. You hurt her, and I will tell your mother that you smoke weed, he said. How do you, said Sebastian. Do you understand me? asked Draco. Yes, sir, said Sebastian. It sounded as if the sir had slipped out. He went to one of those posh schools where everyone had to stand up when a teacher entered the classroom. Draco smirked. God, you're so cringe, Adelaide told him. Come on, Sebastian. Did you tell him I smoke weed? Sebastian asked her once the door was closed. I don't know, probably, said Adelaide. I tell him most things. Sebastian walked around her room, touched her pink seashell lamp. And he and Harry are... Sickeningly in love? Yeah, it's gross, said Adelaide. Because it was, mostly. Once, Draco had walked into the kitchen, looked at the crumbs under the toaster, sighed, and left the room. Harry had waited until he was gone, then had cleaned the entire kitchen counter, unplugged the toaster... Scourgified it, wiped the crumbs out from under it, cast a polishing charm. Adelaide had a pretty good idea of what it was like to date a man, or at least a certain type of man. But what Draco and Harry had wasn't like that. She watched them and thought, I want that. She had seen it in films and thought it fanciful, but it didn't seem so out of reach anymore. Adelaide had once drunkenly asked Draco, Who takes care of you? You do, Draco had answered. Then, seeing the look on her face, he had corrected himself. I mean, Cynthia from work. Cynthia from work looks out for me. But it was too late. She knew he had meant it. Knew she was the only person Draco had, and the realisation had filled her with the weighty horror, the dread of knowing she couldn't do it. She couldn't take care of him. She could barely take care of herself. It was awful, knowing that Draco needed her like that. When Harry had pulled her aside and told her to apologise to Draco, she had been outraged, obviously. Furious. But also, she had been relieved. So deeply, fundamentally reassured that she was no longer alone in loving Draco. Harry said she could do anything she liked. Harry said she was brilliant and hard-working and that he had faith in her. At first she had thought he only said it to look good in front of Draco, but eventually she had realised that he really meant it. That some people were kind without the expectation of anything in return. It still made her sad that they loved each other more than her, but she was making her peace with it. Can I kiss you? asked Sebastian. You don't have to ask, said Adelaide, but he always did before they did anything serious. Always moved slowly towards her and stopped to ask if she was okay. He knew about Tertius. She had cried on him in a churchyard after a terrible party where everyone had been drinking and her head had been swimming and she had felt as if it was all too hard. 
It would have been so much easier to knock back a bottle of white wine and get to be someone else for a few hours. But she hurt Draco's feelings when she drank. She hadn't known that before. Well, she had, but hadn't considered it, what it meant. Draco logging her cruelty into his heart, never mentioning it, forgiving it. Sebastian had found her. You're shaking, he'd said, and escorted her out, put his jacket over her shoulders, helped her climb over the gate of St Pancras' old church gardens. He settled her between his legs, propped up against a tombstone, and held her as she cried. And suddenly, strangely, he had reminded her of Draco. His calm voice, his gentle fingers stroking her hair, the way he rested his chin on the top of her head and didn't try to speed her tears. When I was ten, my mother left, she began. Sometimes he was annoying about it. Sometimes he wanted her to talk about it when she just didn't want to. But mostly it was this, him asking her to give what he wanted, rather than taking it. Him kissing her slowly, calling her beautiful and perfect and special. He always called her special, which she had thought stupid at first. It had grown on her. Next door, Draco put some music on in the kitchen. She heard Harry's laugh float through the flat, and Draco say something quiet, something fond. Adelaide put her arms around Sebastian's neck. He looked uncertain. He often looked uncertain. He was very young. He rubbed his nose against hers, said, Is this okay? Youth had always been a liability for Adelaide, but suddenly it didn't feel like that at all. It felt like freedom. Yes, she said. That was the final part of Teenage Wasteland, written and read by Gallup Sidia. Don't forget to listen to the bonus episode with my friend Cheska. It is really, really um, cool and insightful. She's a very, very uh, funny, interesting person. And she's talking about things that I don't think get talked about enough. You can join my newsletter, if you fancy, at newsletter.gallopod.com. If you enjoy this episode, please leave a rating and a review on the Apple Podcast app. And why not share it with a friend who you think will like the show? I also have an Instagram, at letthemeatbooks, with underscores instead of spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read. So please say hello on there. Thank you for listening.